0: Amen. Church, go ahead and be seated. Go ahead and be seated. If you have your Bibles with you, open up to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Who's got their Bibles with them? Raise them up. Raise them up. Look at all the Christians in the house. The rest of you, repent. But anyway, Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to be hanging out in. Matthew 5, verse 21 to 25. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is the greatest sermon to ever be preached. If you need a good sermon, open up your word. You need a good sermon open up to the sermon on the mouth these are the words of jesus and it says this matthew 5 verse 21 you have heard that it was said from old you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment but i say to you whoever is angry we have your bibles underlined. that whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the counselor. Whoever says, you fool, you will be liable to the hellfire. Verse 23, it says this. So, that's you. So, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember, a better way to really translate this, and there you know that your brother has something against you. Underline that as well, too. We're going to be hitting on that today. Leave your gift there before the altar. And that's what Jesus says. Go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with them to the court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be put in prison. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to echo that, that song and those lyrics. Lord, I do need you. I need you not just for some things in my life, but for every part of my life, for every part of my life. And Lord, one of the things that I do need you in is the struggles that I have in my life, the struggles that I have with my, uh, with, with my emotions, with my, with my thoughts. I need you, Lord. I need your perfect work and your perfect love to uh, uh, bring real transformation and newness in my life because God, without it, I can head towards a path of destruction. And not only is the path of destruction where I'm getting worse, but I begin to burden others as well. So, Lord, without you, there's no real healing. Without you, there's no real transformation. Without you, there's no newness. Because you are a God who can make all things new. And I pray today that you would make us new. That you give us a new heart and a new mind, and a clear conscience of where you're taking us and where you want us to go. We love you and you thank you. In Christ's perfect name is who we pray. Amen, amen, Amen and amen. Well, good morning, Christ Church. That was weak, y'all. That was weak. We are in the house of the Lord. Good morning, Christ Church. I like that. Look at that. I like it. It's good to have you guys here uh, with us. My name is Javon. I happen to be on staff here uh, at Christ Church. Uh, I love this church, and one of the reasons why I love this church, because of what happened Friday night. We are a church that is about serving our community. We are a church that is about reaching to all of God's children. And Friday night, that's what we did. Now, I got the chance to MC the night. Somebody said, hey, if ministry doesn't work out, you can just be a DJ. So if you listen, if you're getting married, just listen, holler at me. I got you. I got you. All right. They had to turn off my mic. That's how much I was talking. (laughs) But we had such a good time, and I'm thankful to God to be a part of this. One of the the kings, uh, our our special guests that that came to us, uh, came and hung out with us. They said, man, I just want to say thank you for tonight. And I remember when they said that, I'm like, you're welcome. Then I turned around and just started crying, like literally just lost it right there because it was just amazing to see the smiles on all their faces, that we got to be a part of something special. And we made it about them that night. It was awesome to be a part of it. Well, today we're gonna be continuing in our series, Breathing Under Water. And, and I just wanna help uh, us to, uh, to unpack what we wanna try to accomplish in this series. And, and one of the things that we wanna do is, we wanna try to destigmatize the reality of struggle. So I'm, I'm coming out the gate hot, because so here's the truth, friends. You and I, we have this thing called struggle. If you have a pulse, which I hope you do. If not, then we'll get you some help. But if you got a pulse... If you're breathing, you and I have this thing called a struggle, and our struggles are beginning, or they could uh, 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 burden us to the point where we won't be able to live in the joy and the peace and the goodness that God intends for each and every one of us. And this series, here's the thing about this series, it's, men, it's meant to intend for us to find healing in our struggle. Because here at Christ Church, we want this to be a place of healing. We don't want it just to be a place where you come, you hang out, you get some of that coffee, and you you get a muffin. Get the blueberry. It's really good. You get the muffin, and you just chill and relax. And then you go out, you hear a good message from Doc or Sarah or whoever it may be, and then nothing changes. No, friends, we want this to be a place where the Holy Spirit is leading you to a place of recovery, leading you to a place of healing, and that's what we want to do in this series because the truth of the matter is, friends, we have some struggles that we need to heal from. We got some things, some dysfunction that's burdening us, that is bringing us and weighing us down. And we want to say, hey, it's okay to not just admit it, but to talk about it. Because we have this thing where you come to church and you just kind of chill. You don't have to tell anybody that you're struggling. But the truth of the matter is, we want to be a place where we just not only address our struggles, but take action on it as well. That's what we want to accomplish in this series. And what we want to do is we want to be able to invite the Lord in on this journey towards becoming more and more free because freedom is attainable. It's it's in your reach. It's in your grasp. Whatever your dysfunction may be, and we're going to talk about a little bit today, whatever your struggle may be, there is freedom in the name of Christ and Christ is the one who wants you to be free because when the sun sets free is what? Free in Indeed, As I was studying for this message uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was on the phone with my college buddy, buddy, that I went to college with. And every time we talk, we always talk about the good old days. We always talk about the good old days. And I find it interesting every time we talk about the good old days, those are the days where we were reckless and stupid, ignorant, underdeveloped. But those are the good old days, right? The good old days. Remember that thing we did? Yeah, we were stupid, and we should have gotten arrested for it. Like, we were just dumb. <laughs> The good old days, the good old days. But as we were talking, he he posed this question to me. He said, Javon, he said, hey, listen, let me ask you a question. If you could go back to the college Javon, you know, the Javon that's 20 pounds lighter, to the—that wasn't meant to be funny. If you can go back—y'all laughed a little bit too hard at that. Oh, yeah, Javon. I've lost weight. Leave me alone, okay? Can't even fit these jeans no more thank you he said if you can go back and you could talk to the young Javon what would you tell him and I've never kind of been asked that question before and I was kind of taken back and I said man man that's a great question because here's the thing there's a lot of things that I would tell Javon from the past right it's a Harry Potter book long type of things that I would tell Javon right you know what I would tell young 20 year old Javon hey get out of that relationship she's toxic homeboy you're toxic too it's, just, it's not good. Get out of the relationship. You want, you want to know what else I would tell young Javon? Javon, don't take out the loan. <laughs> if you ain't got cash, don't even ask. Don't do, just don't do it. Don't take, Listen, in a small print on the very bottom, it says 30% interest rate. You don't want to do that. But if I can be truly honest with you, you know the one thing that I would tell young Javon, I would tell young Javon, hey, Javon, address the dysfunction and the demons that exist within you. You know what I would tell young Javon? Hey, don't chase success, chase character. You know what I would tell young Javon? Hey, don't chase just uh, uh, achievement, chase dealing with the trauma that you have actually gone through in your life from your family to to all the other encounters. You know what I would tell young Javon? Hey, deal with all of the, uh, 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 the things that you struggle with. But of course, I don't get that chance, right? Because of that, friends, because of the many struggles and my dysfunction in my life, I, 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 I was led to a lot of ruin. I ruined a lot of opportunities, right? I ruined a lot of moments that, that I could have uh, 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 really been successful in, but because of my, my uh, inability to address the things that I struggle with, and we all have this thing called a struggle. Sure, there is painful struggles that we have because of the certain scenes that we go through in our life, but then there's a the struggle of, that, that really affects our character or the struggle that affects our reputation. I wish I would have told that, Javon. And you know what, also why I would have told him that? Because of my inability to face those things, I've ruined a lot of relationships. Have you been in that boat before? Because of your dysfunction, because of your errors, because of your wrongs, because of all the things that exist within you, it started to leak out and to bleed onto others as well. So today what I want to do is I want to talk about how to heal from our broken relationships. Because we all got them. Whether it's with a loved one, whether one the one we were living with, or whether it's somebody we haven't talked to in years. I'm gonna talk about how to heal from our broken relationships. And when we think of healing from our broken relationships, I know what a lot of you thought about instantly. When you think about healing from your broken relationships, you, t- you say to yourself, all right, what do they need to heal from? What do they need to do? They're the ones who need to ask for forgiveness. They're the ones that need to say, hey, I'm sorry. Because some of us have got so deep and entrenched in the brokenness that we have become blind to our own actions. We become blind to our own issues, and we're so, we're so focused on what they do, but little do we know there's a lot of things that we have done to affect those relationships. And so today I want to talk about what it looks like to heal from them. And let me tell you something. Healing begins when we address our own brokenness. There is one thing the Lord calls you to do. He doesn't call you to fix others, even though I know you think you can do it. He doesn't call you to to try to control the times and control the outcomes, even though a lot of us try to do it. He doesn't call you to just ignore the problems. No, he says, guess what, friends? Address your own brokenness and your own problems. Today, what I want to do is I want us to to really hang off this very truth because God calls us to a greater standard when it comes to the brokenness that we have in our lives. Not just the brokenness within us, but the brokenness that is around us. God calls us to a greater standard, and here's a standard. Make it right. Make it right. A lot of us have just been sitting in the tension for so long. We said to ourselves, as long as I ignore it and I deny it, it's fine. But really, the longer we prolong healing from that, the longer we prolong the joy God wants us to experience. The peace God wants us to have. Today, I want to talk about what it looks like for you to heal from your broken relationships. And Jesus gives us a, a great, great way of how to do this. This isn't something that I've just, been, that I've just made up. Right? And I don't know if you know, we've been borrowing from the 12 Steps community, uh, the 12 Steps community and how their path towards recovery and what that looks like. We've been borrowing from them. It's not something that they just made up. No, this is something that Jesus Christ himself, the agent of creation, the one who spoke the world into existence, the one who knows your beginning and the end, the one who is eternal. He is the one that calls you and I to this standard that when you and I fail, we make it right. When you and I dropped the ball was, guess what? I know you're so used to looking at when other people drop the ball, but guess what, friends? We dropped the ball as well. Why? Because we have dysfunction, right? As a matter of fact, what we've been saying in this series, we got some sickness. I have this thing called entitlement. Ooh, you laugh like you know that already. You laugh like you knew that about me already. Is there something that... Uh, I have this thing called entitlement, and what entitlement does, uh, what happens is because I want to get my way, I'll run over everybody else just to get it. Because my needs sometimes get greater than others' needs. You've been there before. You've had those moments, right? Right? Your ego has flared up, right? And so what we want to do is that, man, when we have those moments where we do fail, man, we do want to trust in Christ, and make it right in our lives. And Jesus gives us a a great way of how to do that. Look at verse 21 in Matthew 5. Jesus is teaching the way uh, uh, of the kingdom. He talks about uh, this is the way of that. My followers, this is what it looks like to live. And the one thing that he does, he starts in this verse, he addresses a passage uh, that can be found in Exodus 20. It's it's one of the Ten Commandments. You know, you've heard of it, right? It says, you shall not murder, and whoever murders— is liable to judgment so what happened is there were the ancient Israelites the the Pharisees what they would do they would look at this passage and they would say hey listen all this passage mean is as long as I haven't killed anybody I'm good right as long as I'm not OJ as long as I'm not Ted Bundy you like that dig right as long as I'm not them I'm good so they would look at this passage and be like all right all right I didn't kill anybody today all right it's time to move on no what Jesus does in verse 22 is to get to the heart of this passage and what it actually means. Look at what he says. But I say to you, everyone who is angry. So the heart of this, 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 this uh, uh, commandment is not meant for you to check whether you have done something wrong, but rather if something wrong is in you. This passage is just to say, all right, no, there's no dead bodies. All right, I'm good. Let's keep going. But in our minds, we have murdered people anger now what do we when we say anger how, how can we really describe anger because you know the bible talks about anger quite a bit right it talks about anger quite a bit and there is good anger right there's healthy anger right like the anger of injustice like when you see people who are oppressed like on tv you're like man that makes me upset and then it produces certain results uh, sometimes positive results in one's life there's there's a good type of anger right? There's the anger. See, in the Greek, there's two ways of how we can explain anger. There's thumas, and then there's orge. Thumas is the quick-tempered. It's the one that, as soon as the moment or situation happens, you you, you just flare up, and you get upset, right? So, for instance, uh, I was in Giant Eagle one day. You know about my Giant Eagle stories, don't you? (laughs) They don't end well. Something about Giant Eagle just, we just don't click, bruh. We just don't click, One time I was in line at Giant Eagle, and it was like two registers open and 50 people. If you work at Giant Eagle, shame on you. (laughs) 50 people and two registers, and the self-checkout is closed? What is wrong with you? Right? That don't make no sense. But here I am standing in this line. I just got three things. I got baby food. I got diapers, and I got (laughs) paper towels, and I'm just standing in line. And then I, I, I looked to the left because something got my attention, and by the time I looked forward, there was somebody standing in front of me who wasn't there before. And I looked over, and I said, hey, excuse me, ma'am. You know, I was standing here. And you know what she said to me? She said, well, now you're not, boy. If I didn't know Jesus. (laughs) Y'all would have saw me on the news, you know what I'm saying? I remember that Bible verse. He trains my hands for war, you know. I mean, it would have been bad, right? But in that moment, that's what we call thumos, Right? Right, that, that's, that's the thumos when your will or your ego is confronted and wounded, which we all have in our lives. You know, when you parents, when you step out in the living room and you step on one of your kids' toys, and it's just so painful, you're like, I told you to put them away. When somebody cuts you off in traffic, that's what we call thumos, but that's not what the anger of Jesus is talking about. That's not the anger. With Jesus, the anger Jesus is talking about is what we call orge. Now, what is orge? Now, orge is a certain type of anger where it's not just the emotion that you feel, because that's what anger is, but it's now beginning to brew. It's the, it's the time where you begin to play the offense in your head over and over. You begin to develop certain narratives that aren't reality. Instead of talking to the person, you have imaginary, imaginary conversation with the person. You've been there before, right? It begins. You begin to hold a grudge. You begin to become uh, resentful. You begin to be passive aggressive. Anybody master passive aggressives in here? I'll just do it then. Fine. I I guess I'll be the only one to do it. You know, nobody else is going to do it. Guess I'll clean the house. You know, I'm the only one that has eyes in this house. I guess you know. (laughs) We are master progress, right? Are you mad? No, I'm not mad. Why would I be mad? Sorry, I'm just venting for my own dysfunction. (laughs) We give people the silent treatment. You ever done that before? You ever had somebody that would text you just this long text, right? And you respond back with "Okay," (laughs) "Fine." No, I'm not mad. I just, just you know, taking it all in. You know, not mad right see this is the anger jesus talking about this is what he means it it really in the greek what it means literally it means being angry or one who is if jesus was speaking american it would be one who is harboring a grudge nursing a grudge so what this means what is jesus trying to say sometimes our emotions can become uncontrollable and unmanageable that's what he means by this jesus isn't saying hey if you get angry god's going to send you to hell Not saying that, right? But what he's trying to, to, to play out in this passage, what he's trying to play out is when he says uh, the ones who are uh, um, um, uh, for the hellfire. what he's trying to say is he doesn't mean like eternal hell. What he means is this place on the south side of, of Jerusalem. It was called Gehenna. And what the people of Israel would do, they would take their trash and throw it over the wall, and it would just be burning and burning all day long. This is what Jesus is saying. When sometimes when your anger, when your emotions get uncontrollable and unmanageable, it can create hell in your life. It can lead towards destruction. That's what Jesus is talking about. And let's just be honest some of us have ruined relationships because of our inability to handle our anger. The anger Jesus is talking about is the anger where you just lash out. You just lash out. And Jesus doesn't just stop there, He doesn't just say, it's not just our anger that, that becomes toxic. Sometimes anger can lead to you saying something. Did you catch what he said in verse 22? Look at what he says in verse 22 again. Bring it up for us. He says, but I say to you, everyone who was angry with his brother, with his brother, you know, all of that. Then he gets to this part. Look at what he says. And anyone who ever says, you fool. In Aramaic, this means raka. Somebody say raka. raka. Just to let you know you just cursed. And, and, and just, it's okay. It's fine. I led you to do it. You just cursed in Aramaic. This is what it means. It means sometimes when your, your emotions become so uncontrollable, now you begin to say things. You begin to say things like "Raka," and, and what it mean, what it really means it means empty-headed, stupid, you dummy. I don't know. A lot of us have been there before. And friends, say what you want. Words can cut. But what happens is sometimes you get in the moment. You get so upset, you get so angry, and you don't even have the context. That's what the orgate anger means. You don't even have proper context. You don't have you don't have proper control of everything. And then next, you know, it, your words become violent. You know what's sad is who gets the brunt of all of this is our loved ones. Let's just let's just be honest. Parents, have we said something to our kids that man we regret it? You're stupid. How could you do this? What were you thinking? You're an idiot. Why? Right? Because we get so emotional. Right? Husbands, haven't we said some things too? Wives, haven't we gone too far? You know what's funny is the Bible describes the the tongue. If you read the Proverbs or if you read the the book of James, the the Bible describes the tongue as fire. The Bible says that the tongue is a fire. It's a world of unrighteousness. Look at what else it says. It says, "With our tongues we bless God, right?" That's what we were just doing, and for worship. Oh God, oh God, I need you, God, I God, I need you, Jesus. Yes, we're blessing God, we're worshiping God, but then we go home and curse others. James says, "With the same mouth we bless God, but also with the same mouth we curse others." And for some reason, when we get heated moments, we love to attack others' character. When we get here moments, we like to say, well, at least I didn't do this. We love to go back in the past and grab that one thing that they did and say, well, at least I didn't do that. Or at least this and that. And Jesus says, this is the ways of how you can really break relationships. And maybe you're in that boat today. Maybe you're the one where your emotions and your dysfunction has become so uncontrollable that it's ruining the relationships around you. Maybe you're the one that, man, your words, you don't know, and you don't realize how deep they cut. Because the truth of the matter is, whatever comes out of your mouth is the reality of your heart. You ever said something then somebody says, did you just say that? You'd be like, I didn't mean that. No, it came out of your mouth. You meant it. If it came out of you, then it's actually in you, right? If it came out of your mouth, you, you mean that. And a lot of us have find ourselves in situations where the relationship is tarnished, where you went too far, you just said the wrong thing, right? And you don't know how to make it right. You don't know how to make it right. Well, guess what Jesus does? He teaches us how to do it. Jesus Jesus doesn't just throw this all up to shame us. No, he gives us direction in it. So when we drop the ball with our words— with our inability to control our dysfunction, he gives us guidance. Look at what he says in verse 23. Look at what he says. He says this. So, if you're the one who has the anger issues, which I'm sure a lot of us do, right? You may not be the one who lashes. Maybe you're the one who just sits in silence and does nothing, right? So, if you are the one, if you are offering your gift at the altar, what Jesus is referring to, you got to remember his crowd is the ancient Israelites, and the, the altar is where the temple is, and this is where the people would go, and they would get sacrifices, and people would come from all different areas and directions. People would come from short distances, and some people would come from long distances, right? And they would have their animal over their shoulder, so you'd be you could be walking eighty miles, right, just to offer your gift at the altar. You'd be walking eighty miles, and look at what Jesus says. And you uh, can offer your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you. Here's your truth, friends. A lot of us don't realize people have something against us. We don't know about it. Why? Because we've been so blinded. People have something against us, especially if you're the one who struggles with anger, especially if you're the one who doesn't know how to watch your words. Jesus says, if you're offering your gift at the altar, he says this, if, if you're about to give the priest, and that's with the ones who were in the temple, if you're about to give the priest uh, your sacrifice, that's what he says next. <laughs> he says, leave, verse 24, leave your gift there and go and be reconciled. You know what Jesus doesn't say? Hey, you know, uh, 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 give, your, give, give your offering, go home, cook yourself a meal, you know, make some spices, make some food, hang out with some friends, go on social media and, and scroll through, and then try to make it right. No, he says, no, if you know somebody has something against you, he says, at that moment, go and make it right. He says, at that, that situation, at that time, go and make it right. And this is what he says. This is the language that Jesus uses. He says, as you go towards it, go and be reconciled. But a lot of us, when we confront others about the dysfunction that has happened, we don't try to reconcile, we try to be reckless. We say to ourselves, hey, I am upset with you because you did this. You did this and you did that, right? We don't. On our minds, it's not reconciliation. We want to try to prove our point, right? Well, you know, I, I know I did this, but if you wouldn't have done that— then I wouldn't have done this if you wouldn't have said this then I wouldn't have said that no Jesus gives us a better way he says you take the initiative because how many of us sit back and be like I'll wait till they say sorry I'll just wait so I know my brokenness but I want them to know their brokenness let me just wait he says go And he gives us this this great plan and this great tool, but Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes on in verse 25, he says this, come to terms quickly with your accuser. When you confront somebody about what you did, you don't make excuses, but rather you just take the wheel and you just own it. A lot of us, we are horrible at owning our problems. We We are horrible at it. Let me just, we live in a society where we're all about pointing a finger, but Jesus says, actually, you need to use your thumbs. We live in a society that says, let me just shame and bash all that they did. And now, now, to credit, that that may be valid, right? People may have done some things to us that have hurt us. But what Jesus gives, he says, hey, listen, don't be so consumed what they have done, but be consumed and worried and on the path of healing because of what you have done in your life. And Jesus gives us a better way. He says, confront the deeper dysfunction that you have created. And he says, go and be reconciled. Because the heart of God is a heart of reconciliation. The heart of God is a heart of reconciliation. You know what? You know, our relationship with God is tied up in the relationship with others. You need to know that. But sometimes we get blinded by it. Sometimes we forget in our own messes, and our own dysfunction, how patient God has been with us, how merciful God has been with us, how gracious God has been with us. And this is the most important thing, how forgiving God has been. God forgives even when we don't even ask for it. How powerful is that? And so Jesus says, go and be reconciled with them. In that moment So today what I want to do As we spend the rest of our time I want to talk about what it looks like To take action on your action Today I want to take time For the rest of the time I want to take time for you To do what Christ calls us to do Not because Jesus just commands it But because what follows when you do it Not because just Jesus says Hey you need to do this But because hey listen The freedom that comes with it because truth of the matter is, we have people we have hurt. And it could be the person sitting right next to you. We have people we have damaged. Jesus says, we need to go forward. And we need to own it. And so I don't know if you've been knowing, we've been borrowing from the 12-step community, you know, and, and, and AA, uh, um, Alcohol Anonymous, what they would do is they, they go through the steps, and it's, it's, it's a steps towards recovery and sobriety, right? And, and, and in these steps, there are times where they have, to, they have to own that they are powerless over their dysfunction. I think that's a good place to start. We have to own Listen, I can't control it because a lot of you say, it's not a problem. I can just stop whenever I want to. I can handle it. Look at the relationships around you. Tell me you can handle it. Tell me you can handle it. And so in this 12 Steps community, they, they begin to, to own these issues, and they begin to give their will over to God because they realize that when, when they've taken control, they've just ruined all of it, but then they give God control so he can restore them to sanity. There's all these amazing steps, and then they, they, they confess to God, and they confess to others what they have done and what they've been through in their life, and then this one step comes up. Because the first few steps is all about what happens inwardly. But this step that we're going to talk about is what happens outwardly. Look at what it says, step eight. We made a list of all the persons we have harmed, and we have become willing to make amends with them all. I love that step. Again, this, is something that, this isn't something that AA just made up. This is biblical. Biblical. This is something that somebody just randomly just thought of, and they just pinned down. No, this is from Jesus himself. Matter of fact, Romans chapter 12 says, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. But we have to to realize there are some relationships around us that we're not at peace at. We're not at peace with. And, 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 And step eight tells us to make a list and so this step is I, I love this step because what it does it allows you and i to see the totality of our brokenness and see it allows you and i to see okay listen i have gotten out of control i did this the other day and y'all got to like 12 pages and you may laugh but that's just how broken i am you may laugh and say, oh, that's funny. No, listen, I'm, I'm a pretty broken guy. And also, not only does it help me to realize my brokenness, it also helps me push me to my need for God. When I look at my list and I say, man, because of my inability to own my anger, my inability to own my pride, my inability to do all these things, look of all the people I have just ran over in my life. See, what this step is meant to do is meant to, to move us towards ownership, because let me tell you something, ownership is wrapped up in this thing called humility, and God can do a lot with humble people. God can do a lot when you humble yourself, because I know what a lot of you are thinking. You're probably saying to yourself, Javon doesn't know what I've been through. A lot of us, we're hesitant towards this. When, when we think about this, we get a little bit defensive, You know, we say, well, well, what about what they did? And what about what what she did? And what about what he did? And what about what they didn't do? No, 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 no. But this step and what Jesus calls us to do is about what you actually need to do in your life. We take the step because not only does ownership create humility, but also it brings the transforming work that God wants to do in our lives. Healing comes only when we own our dysfunction. Healing comes only when we own our dysfunction. When we own, listen, I did this. I was so consumed with my needs, I didn't see anybody else's needs. I was so consumed with what I wanted, I didn't see what everybody else wanted. And there's power in owning. Look at what it says. Number one, ownership creates a healthier future you. I want you to know that. When we take the time and we sit and we just dwell on just how, how, how broken we are. Now, this isn't meant to create shame, right? Because we got the forgiveness of Christ with us, right? There, there is no shame where forgiveness exists, right? right? So I'm writing this list, and, and I, I'm not shaming myself, but what I'm doing, I'm grieving my brokenness. I'm grieving how bad it is. But what it does, ownership makes you, makes you a healthier future you. Because here's the thing, friends. You are going to face more conflict in your life. This isn't a one-time thing. This is an ongoing thing. You are going to face more conflict. But what ownership does now, it creates for later on. When you do face it, you wouldn't be the first one to judge others, but rather you would be quick to judge yourself and say, what do I need to do now? Because once you see that list, you tell yourself, I don't want to do this anymore. And I saw this list and man I just saw so much red I just saw so much red I just saw so much and I just said man this is how bad it's gotten I don't want to do this no more I need Christ more I need to own this more number two uh, ownership uh, it can create a a possibility to regain trust because you never know what owning your dysfunction can do in your relationships your relationships actually can get healthier a couple years ago, when I got um, the day I got married, my brother, um, um, he uh, he came in, flew in. My brother and I had a hard relationship. Anybody got hard relationships with their siblings? We don't say just like bickering. I mean, we're talking about extreme fighting. And the last time we saw each other, it was ugly. And ten years had gone by when he had moved out to LA, and we just sat in that brokenness. And then the day that I got married, I. He was one of my groomsmen. We were driving in the car. It was the day of my wedding. He said, Javon, remember that last time we did this? Remember that last moment we had? I said, I sure do. He said, I'm sorry. And we just had a moment. My brother and I have never cried in front of each other. We just had a moment. And I felt the power of God in that moment when he just said, man, i did this and i did that i'm sorry and our relationship it's better only because he was willing this is what this part is the step is you have to be willing to do it it takes faith to own your brokenness it takes faith right that's one way god's going to grow your faith because you're gonna get hesitant, you're gonna get fearful, you're gonna get afraid and nervous. But guess what? What faith is you're walking because you know what God's going to produce eventually in your life. And that's what God calls each and every one of us to do. Step nine says this. This is very powerful. So step eight is when we make the list, step nine is when we take action. Step eight is all about ownership. Step nine is about restitution. When Jesus says go and be reconciled, that's what step 9 is. step 9? We made direct amends with such people wherever possible, except this is an important part, except when to do so would injure would injure them or others. There's some people in our lives. Listen, you know, we have to be very Careful and wise when it comes to doing this because if we're not careful it can create more uh, distraction more brokenness more anger like you shouldn't tell somebody you're sorry when they don't really know about what happened you probably shouldn't do that but rather you should go to your spouse the one who you live with you should go to the the one you did that they're very aware of your brokenness and you take action on it friends what God is calling us to do today is hard. It's better said than done, right? Because when you think about it, you're like, man, do I really want to do this? But can I tell you this? Do you really want to be free? That's the real question. Do you really want to be at peace? Do you really want to have joy? Do you really want a better you? But Sometimes we got to be willing to make it right. I know a lot of us will be quick to just ignore this. You're probably saying to yourself, "I know somebody that really needs this, but I don't need this." No, boo-boo, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Oh, you know, my mom needs to be here, man. You know all the crap she's done to me. Yeah, man, she needs to hear this. <laughs> you do too. It takes faith. It's another way we can trust God. and God grows our faith and grows our ability, but also God grows our character. We begin to be people with integrity. We begin to be people with honor. You know, it says in Proverbs chapter 22, it says, The reward of the humble is riches, honor, and life. I don't know about you, but I want riches, honor, and life. What Jesus says, take this road. So this week I, I encourage you to sit, to ponder, to realize just how bad it has gotten. But just know that there is one, your Savior, who is ready and willing not just to forgive you. I love 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says if we confess our sins to him, he who was faithful and just to forgive us, but watch this, watch this, watch this. To cleanse us of all sin. We receive the cleansing work I own my dirt. You can't get healthy if you don't acknowledge what is unhealthy. That's the work God wants to do in our lives today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this takes tremendous faith. God, I want to go where faith is. That's where I want to go. I want to go where hard is. That's where I want to go. I want to go where it's difficult. That's where I want to go. I want to go where it's it's not comfortable. That's where I want to go. Because when I go towards those places that take tremendous faith, it, it, it results in tremendous growth. So, God, I pray that we would humble ourselves today. That we wouldn't be stuck in the pride anymore. That we wouldn't be stuck in the arrogance. That we wouldn't be stuck in the denial. But rather, we would just cling to your truth. And we would walk forward. And we would make amends. We love you, God. We need you. Help us. Grow us. Complete us. In Christ's perfect name. Amen.